Praise God from whom all blessings flow. This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson. From 1 Thessalonians 5, the verses are 1 through 11, and the title of this week's lesson is Times and Seasons. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 11, the New King James Version reads, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Praise God's holy and divine word. Let us start with Acts 1 and verse 7. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know times or season that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Yes, God, God the Father has fixed times and seasons for his own authority. He will bring them about in his own time and way, and therefore it is not proper for people anxiously to inquire into them. Promises sufficiently clear and full are therefore given us to encourage us, but not so full as to excite a vain and idle curiosity. May our expectation of the Lord's return be steadfast and joyful, anticipatory, full of hope. The great thing we ought to look to in the future is our work in God's vineyard, not what we shall enjoy or what we shall endure but what we shall do for the Lord in the present time. The great remedy for morbid anticipation lies in regarding life as an opportunity for service and therefore preparation for eternal service. We must stay focused. Our focus must be on the great work we have to do as witnesses for Christ. Note Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. 
The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, so that we may follow all the words of this law. The ways and judgments of God, though never unjust, are often hidden from us, unsearchable by our uh, shallow, narrow capacity and, and uh, matter for our admiration, not our inquiry. But the things which are revealed by God in his word must be attended and considered that we may trust and obey and be profitably influenced as well as profitably influential. Paul concluded in Romans 11 and verse 33 in the ESV, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable his ways! Jesus provided information what will, about what will follow his return when he declared, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. We'll find this Matthew 25, verse 31 through 34, as well as 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, and Revelations 20, verses 11 through 12. Because we do not know when the Lord will return... We must be prepared. Jesus' parable of the wise and foolish virgins illustrates this point well. After using the story to show what will happen to those who fail to make appropriate provisions, notice Matthew 25, verses 10 through 12, Jesus concluded, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Verse 13. This admonition fits well with what Paul told the Thessalonians. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6. The point is simple, church. We anticipate the Lord's return by living according to God's plan. Again, in considering or anticipating the Lord's return, we should be focused on living in the now according to God's holy and divine plan his expectation for us, his uh, charge for us. The believer's status as a son of light 
demands a morality, a holiness, in keeping with who is the light. Notice John 8, verse 12, uh, John 11, 9 and following, and John 12, 46, and 1 John 1, 5 and following. This should result, this understanding that Jesus Christ is the Son of Light should result in a believer living a discerning, sensible, vigilant, and holy life. See Luke 21, verses 34 through 36, and 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. We must take heed. The evil one is always busy. That vigilance, that discerning cognitive processing, making good decisions in the now, decisions that glorify Christ. Paul called the return of Jesus the day of the Lord, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2. This phrase is found elsewhere in Scripture. Uh, notice Amos 5 and verse 18. Sometimes the day of the Lord refers to an event in, in time, such as the destruction of Jesus, or Jerusalem, excuse me, in A.D. 70. But all of these days come before the great, the one great day of the Lord, the final judgment at the end of history, the same one Paul is writing about. Notice also 1 Corinthians 1, verse 8, and Philippians 1 and verse 6. It will also be a day of wrath or condemnation for some people. Romans 2 and verse 5 in the ESV reads, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself. On the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be released. And a day of redemption for others. Ephesians 4 in verse 30, the Amplified Bible reads, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please Him, by whom you were sealed and marked, identified as God's own, for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequences of sin. Judgment is indeed coming. We know not when. The need to be ready in the now for this day the Lord's return is emphasized in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 4 through 7. Rather than being surprised by the second coming, the Thessalonians were encouraged to prepare for it. Paul wrote about the darkness, the dominion of sin, that characterizes the life of the unconverted. Notice John 3, verse 19, and Romans 13, and verse 12. 
the, these unconverted, their understanding has been darkened. Notice Romans 1 and verse 21. Their understanding has been dark, darkened and therefore they live in darkness. Romans 2 and 19. Not surprisingly, authors could describe Christian salvation as the passage from darkness to light, Acts 26 and 18 and Ephesians 5 and 8, and redemption as being enlightened, Hebrews 6 and 4. The Christian is one who has left the sinful life of the darkness and who lives in the light of holiness. Notice Isaiah 9 and verse 2, NIV, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Also notice Romans 13 and verse 12 in the NIV. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. This transcendent moment in time, this great day of salvation, can be compared with no other moment in time. Salvation, the day being the fulfillment of all time, is incomparable. The knowledge of the moment must occur in a moment. The turning back to eternity must occur in time. This present moment, this present time, is the high time for us to put aside the darkness and embrace the light. Paul's reference to the soldier's garb in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 8, the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation, was influenced by his warning to be sober like an armed sentry. Paul urged the Thessalonians to arm themselves with faith, love, and hope. God has made provisions for man's salvation. He did this by sending Jesus, who died for us, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 10. Paul encouraged the brethren to com comfort each other and edify one another, verse 11. To know God has made provisions for man's salvation and an eternal reward awaits the faithful is indeed comforting. We must guard against complacency and selfishness. Rather than living vicariously for the moment, we must live in righteousness, focusing on our eternal hope. Christians must live differently from people of the world. The contrast between light and darkness is stark, as is the distinction between those who live for the Lord and those who live for themselves. Because Christians are of the day, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8, we must not engage in the activities of the night nor of the darkness, verse 5. This is not the only place in Scripture 
where we find this important metaphor. John wrote, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, verse 6 through 7. Jesus taught that the world has a purpose and time is moving toward the end he has determined. No calculation of earthly or heavenly events will result in an accurate guess about when it will take place. The proper way for believers to live is in the expectation that he may come at any moment. Life is to be believed and lived on a high and noble plane so that whenever he comes, his people will be ready. Because one has been baptized into Christ is no guarantee of eternal life. Godly living is the only way to live. This, lessons is, this lesson is yours. Thanks for listening, saints. I pray that something has been said that was uplifting and edifying. Next week's lesson is final admonitions. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 28. Let's pray together. Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. We approach your throne of grace and mercy with all humility. We recognize we are cracked vessels, Father. We recognize our dependence on you and we thank you for your love and your long-suffering. Father, please Please forgive us of any transgressions we have committed since the last time we were together. Father, thank you for being a God of second chances, a forgiving and everlasting presence in the lives of your children. Father God, we thank you with the intensity of complete fidelity the sacrifice of your only begotten Son on that old rugged cross for the sins of mankind. We thank you for the hope demonstrated in your word and the promise of everlasting life for the faithful. Father, we thank you for the church that Jesus established where men, women, boys, and girls can work out their soul salvation with fear and trembling. We come with petitions on our heart of mind. We fervently thank you for your attention to the details of our lives. We thank you for our degree of health, our families, our safety, our security. We pray for those who do not know you. We pray for space and time that they may come to know you before it is eternally too late. We thank you for being the great physician who has never lost a patient. 
We pray for those who are suffering this day, both near and far. Help them, Father, to overcome the maladies that beset them and restore them to their most wanted degree of health. We pray for those who are sick and shut in, for those recovering from procedures as well as those about to go into surgery. Please be with the caregivers and sustain them all in only the way you can. Please be with each family represented within the sound of my voice. Give us all the things we stand in need of to walk in the light and to wait on you. These and all other blessings we ask in the most gracious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, thanks for listening, church. Reach out in Christian love to your sisters and brothers this week. Stay safe. Bye for now.